Hi, Karen. Hi, Grace. <laughs> How are you? I've missed you so much. I'm good. I missed you too. And I missed all our listeners. I hope everyone has had a good time. What? I missed a few weeks. Yeah, and I think you might have missed that we've had some upsurge in listeners or download streams, and we did acknowledge them in the last episode. So thanks again for listening, especially those coming from Singapore. We've now got listeners in Malawi and our listeners in Brussels, Belgium, the US, and so in Melbourne, Australia. We're also growing. That's awesome. Yeah, that's really great. Like we said, we started doing this hoping that we can help at least one person or have people relate to our experiences and remove the stigma of mental health issues yeah i agree so i'm glad to hear that update and i hope they continue to listen and i hope they continue to get something out of whatever topic we're talking about yeah me too the last time we spoke we talked about self-compassion which is the foundation of self-care and I really was looking forward to talking to you about self-care because I know you do a lot of this you're better at this than I am I try (laughs) and I did mention in the last episode that a lot of times I feel guilty doing self-care activities because I feel like I don't deserve it or I haven't earned it And I should be working instead of indulging myself. But I really need to work on caring about myself and making sure that when I do self-care, it's founded on self-compassion. This is a good opportunity to go through some strategies on self-care, I thought, not only for our listeners, but also for myself so that I can really ingrain it and instill it in myself. And... The last few weeks, you know that I've been flat and I know the number one self-care strategy is to make sure I get enough sleep. And are you getting enough sleep these days? I try my best to. It's still hard falling asleep. When I wake up in the middle of the night, I find it hard to calm my brain. And I find that it's helpful when I turn on meditation music and sleep music so i have a playlist of sleep music that's just softly in the background and i find that that helps and from my mindfulness meditation practices i've learned to just focus on the sound and my breathing and that helps me fall asleep how many hours of sleep do you need every night to be full functioning Well, as much as possible, I try to get at least six hours. And if I get eight hours, then that's great. I don't like oversleeping because that means I'll have a harder time falling asleep the next night. Mm. So I try my best to wake up at the same time every morning. And they also say that when you don't get enough sleep, your stress levels are higher, your level of cortisol also increases. Mm -hmm. It doesn't help that when you're going through some problems, you don't get enough sleep. Well, I have an admission to make. I have to think about this, (laughs) but I'm just going to say it. Years ago, I'm an adult. I'm a grown up. Mm -hmm. Part of my self-care was, oh, great. I had a long day, whatever, for whatever reason, good reason. You know, if I had a bad day, I had a good day, I would come home and have a glass of wine. Oh, yeah. Because, okay, well, it's self-care, I'm indulging. But at the same time, I I did connect it then. I had a hard time sleeping and I thought it's just a part of being an adult that we had things to think about, stresses in our daily lives. That's just how it is. You, you find it harder and harder to sleep or to fall asleep as you get older. Yes. And a few years ago, we decided, you know what? We're just going to cut off alcohol. We're just going to get rid of it. That's when I realized I was having a hard time falling asleep because of alcohol. Oh, okay. I thought it was going to be the opposite. 
Well, from my experiences, after I cut alcohol, it's actually easier for me to fall asleep. It didn't happen right away. It took a while. I think it happened about after a week that I stopped having it, that I won't have a problem falling asleep. And then we started talking about it and saying, okay, it can't be our imagination. It has to be that. Yeah. So we started trying to find information about the connection. Yes. And from how, how I understand it, from the materials I have read, is that yes, when you drink alcohol, it will make you fall asleep right away, but it's not the kind of sleep that is restful. We need to regenerate ourselves. Yes. When you have anesthetic, they give you the anesthetic, you fall asleep, but it's not that type of sleep that naturally occurs in the body where the natural sleep, this is the time when the cells regenerate. So it's just like, it's a drug induced sleep. And I know for me that my skin looks better now than it did 10 years ago. Yes. I just look different back then than I do now. And from what I've been reading, that's just how it is. It's normal. That's, that's a part of my experience with having alcohol in my system. No, no wonder you look younger these days than you were years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're just being my friend for saying that. <laughs> but since then, I mean, I, not that I'm saying I'm never going to have alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. But I just think about what stops me from having it when I feel like having it is, oh, I might not have a good sleep tonight. Yes. And the need and the want for me to have a good sleep overrides my want to have a glass of wine. Yes. Well, that makes sense because they say that one of the strategies for self-care is maintaining proper nutrition because there are certain food or drinks that actually make you more vulnerable to stress. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's one of them, if alcohol is one of them. I will be surprised. Honestly, since I stopped drinking as much as I used to, I've had one or two drinks maybe every few months or so. Yeah. The effect it had on me is that it ups my heart rate, which is not a good feeling, really. That was when you were drinking. And... Before, I'm sure my body reacted the same way, but when you do it often, then you just think it's your normal reaction and your body has adjusted to it saying, oh, this is my operating system. Yeah. This is the level that I operate in. I operate with a high heart rate or... This is your normal. This is my normal. But now that I've stopped and then every now and again, when I decide maybe I'll have a glass or maybe a couple of sips, I notice that immediately my heart rate would go up. Oh, wow. And it's not a good feeling. Yeah. It's not a good feeling. That's why if I want to have a drink, I have to be prepared. I have to prepare myself. I have to be really mentally prepared for the consequences that's going to go afterwards. Yes. So, yes. So at least now it's conscious drinking rather than using it to pamper yourself when actually it's not a healthy way of pampering yourself. That's good to know. Yeah. And I realized I never did pamper myself because if anything, I think I caused more damage to my body. Wow. Yeah. I think people react differently to medicine, to alcohol, to food. And I'm just talking about my experience that... I don't think it had a good effect on my body. I mean, the fact that I couldn't sleep or I would fall asleep because it would make me fall asleep and make me tired right away. I'd fall asleep. But it's not the restful kind of sleep that you need, that your body needs. It's not the restful kind of sleep. And then I would always wake up two hours after. And when I used to wake up after two hours, it's the waking up where I felt refreshed. Yeah. First of all, it's only two hours that I've slept when it should be at least six hours. But I'd wake up in two hours and then I would be sweaty and it's just, it's not a restful sleep. 
Yeah. And then I'd uh, have a hard time falling back asleep. But in the morning, even if I felt like I had eight hours sleep, I didn't feel rested. I still felt exhausted. Yeah. But since I stopped having it as much as I did in the past, I never had that problem with sleep. So yes, I think it's very important with managing stress. I see that also happening with other beverages like caffeinated drinks. They also don't help with your sleep or getting restful sleep. Do you have coffee in the morning or at night or during the day? I do. I have coffee in the morning and I consciously avoid having coffee after midday mm. because that's when I know I will have trouble sleeping at night if I have coffee later in the day. And I also gave up cola drinks. I've given that up years ago. That was hard. That was really hard because I know that that not only adds to my weight gain, but also keeps me up at night. And going back to what you were saying about not having a relaxing sleep after having alcohol, when originally you think, well, if I have a glass of wine, I'm actually pampering myself. But if we think about it, pampering yourself as a self-care strategy is good if you're actually feeling relaxed afterwards. Exactly. And if you're feeling your heart rate go up, you're feeling more anxiety. I never felt anxiety after a drink, but I noticed I would feel more melancholy. Mm. It's okay to feel melancholy here and there. I think it's normal. But with me, it would be induced by alcohol. Imagine feeling melancholy every day. Yeah. And would that be more associated with sadness rather than feeling calm? Correct. Mm. I'd be thinking about things that really would make me sad anyway. I just didn't feel it was healthy for me. It's okay to feel melancholy every now and again because I think that's part of just being alive, being able to think of things. There might be sometimes there would be memories that I would think about. When you need to reflect. Or I would go back to our letters. Oh, yes. When we were younger, we used to write each other letters, us and our friends. I do have those letters still, what, 40 years ago, 40 years old. And every now and again, I would go back to read them. I just think about how it was in the past and our lives and where we are now. It's okay to do that and then to feel melancholy. Because really, that is normal, and that's part of our journey. Yeah. But to do that every night, I mean, I would feel that every night. I just didn't think it was healthy. Yeah, that's a good point. And I can see that. So what do you do to pamper yourself these days? <sighs> I meditate. Yep. I exercise. So these are the things that's pretty obvious. But before that, before, say, exercise and meditation, for me, the most important part of my self-care is putting myself in the calendar. Good idea. Like you're making an appointment for yourself. I'm making an appointment. I put everything in the calendar. You know, I'm talking to you. We have a meeting. I have my doctor's appointments when I'm going to bring my car in. I have to put myself in the calendar. So if you look at my appointment calendar, I have those entries there that says Karen. There's the Karen exercise. Karen going out to dinner. Yes. Karen is watching a movie and I don't cancel on myself because you don't want to cancel. I don't like canceling. Even with you talking to you, I hate canceling and I have canceled. I know it's not perfect, but you know, it's really something that I couldn't get out of. Yes. That's why I really had to cancel on you. And I treat myself the same way. That's good. I think all the other things that I do is... It's just tailored to me. For you, you have your golf. Yes. You can have your date night with the hubby. You go out on a date. Yes. The most important thing is it doesn't matter what activity you're going to do. Self-care for me is putting yourself in the calendar and religiously making sure you follow through. Yeah. But there's that balance where, okay, when I said religiously following through, 
you can't be too rigid that sometimes when you cancel on yourself, you have to forgive yourself too, you know? <laughs> yes. Yeah. One of the things that my husband does, which I love him for it, bless him, when he can see that I'm stressed or something's really bothering me, he books a massage for me that he already paid for oh. so that I have no way of getting out of it and no choice, but I turn up. He's making sure to put it in your calendar. <laughs> and pays for it so that I don't say no. So I wouldn't be able to say no because it's already been paid for. So I've got no excuse. Oh. Yeah, so that's one of the ways that he pampers me. And after that, I actually feel relaxed. And yeah, I don't know. There's something about human touch, someone massaging you and looking after your body that makes you feel connected. Yes. Not necessarily connected to other people, but connected to your own body. It's grounding, right? Yeah. And you can actually feel where parts of your body are feeling rigid because of stress. Yes. I understand. COVID changed a lot of things, but I like to hug and touch people. Me too. Especially when they're going through something. Because to me, I feel that if I, you know, it's not all the time that you need to say something. Because most times you don't even have the words. Because we don't have the answer with the hardship you might be going through. Why is it happening? I don't know. Yes. And you don't feel like you're in a position to provide an opinion or a solution. And you shouldn't have to. But somehow you still want to convey to the person that, I feel you, I hear you, and I'm here for you. And that, for me, is the reason why I like giving hugs or cuddles. Yes. I love to use this expression. You're, you're carrying a heavy load. You're, you're carrying this big box. And I can't take it away from you, but I can tell you, hey, you take care of the other end, and I'll hold the other end, and let's carry this together. I really feel the load kind of lighten up. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And that's what hug does or just holding someone's hand or just touching their arm and saying, I'm here. Yes. I'm here. Like there's something here. You can lean on me. <laughs> and my husband does that a lot when he notices that I'm sad and let's say we're having dinner. He will just reach over and just rub my arm just to make me feel that I'm here. I'm here for you. Yeah. And for friends that are miles away like you, I also feel like part of my self-care is reaching out to you and needing to talk to you. My first thought when I'm really anxious and I really need a sounding board or someone to release my anxiety to, I think about calling you. That's why you always get messages from me that says, do you have time for a chat? Yes. And I see that as a form of self-care because you're giving me social support. You're listening to how I'm feeling and you're just letting me be without judging me and without the pressure of giving me advice or how to solve my problems because I don't expect you to and I just need someone who will listen and just let me sit through my emotions or go through my emotions process them while I'm expressing what bothers me and that to me is also a form of self-care and then when I don't get that I don't feel like I've taken care of myself because it's still all bottled up inside and I am not looking after myself oh that's that's definitely, that's even bigger to me than I would even say exercise. I mean, exercise is when, okay, I let it out. I do something physical and I make myself tired. I get rid of the angst. Yes. But having a chat, a connection, we can't hug each other now physically because we're far away from each other. But just having a feedback I might have a bad day and my day's horrible because of this reason. And 
I'm looking at you, whether you agree that it's really the right reaction for me to have this bad day because of this reason, it doesn't matter because you just, you just go with it. And just to get the validation from your facial expression and you're saying, yep. And even your voice where you say, yeah, I acknowledge, I acknowledge that you had a bad day to have someone else validating my feelings. Yes. And someone saying that, Yes, I can understand how that's making you feel that way. Yeah. Or there are days when you know when to tell me, well, it's not really that bad because look at it this way. It just helps to have that connection. Or when I just want to vent. I also know when to reach out when I need the honest opinion. If someone is going to tell me the same thing that you will say, but we don't have that deeper history together the way we do, then I'm not going to accept that either. Yeah. And also leading you to certain conclusions, like, for example, how you feel may not necessarily be validated or founded. It's probably your anxiety talking to you and messing with your head. But in the process of actually talking to someone about it, like when I talk to you, that's a way of me processing my emotions and my thoughts and helping me arrive at that conclusion that, okay, this self-talk is not healthy. I know that now. So I think maybe an important part of this self-care, what we're talking about, is also keeping a core of real connections, friends. Yes, that you can be yourself with, that you can be vulnerable with. Yes. And and who you know care about you. And will not judge you. Will not judge you, but you also respect their opinions and decisions. They have a way of telling you or leading you to a conclusion that's much healthier because they know who you are and who you are. Yeah. And how you respond. So they actually know how to get through to you without hurting you or offending you. And even if they do offend you. You know that they're coming from good intentions, that they have good intentions. Yes. Maybe not immediately, right after they tell you something, but when you step back maybe and and wait and let this simmer and let this settle after a few days, you will understand where they're coming from. Yeah. And they will understand where you're coming from as well. So yeah, I think self-care is having a good core of people. Your tribe, as I call it. <laughs> yes, your homies. <laughs> yeah, your tribe. So for me, yeah, having my core people around me and putting myself in the calendar, I think that's the main thing that I do for my self-care. And that pretty much covers everything. Yeah. You actually inspire me because you exercise regularly or as much as possible, as regular as you can. And when I see you, I know you and I used to talk about this when I see you posting on Facebook that you've done your run for the day. I feel motivated to go to um, the gym and then vice versa. When you see me posting on Facebook that I just finished my workout at the gym, then you'd say, okay, fine, I'll go out and do my run today. <laughs> yeah, well, because we're on different time zones. Yeah. So when I would, I would wake up and I'll see your post and you already, and you would say, I just smashed it. I just smashed my workout. Someone called an ambulance. I just killed my workout. <laughs> yes. So I feel, I feel that all of a sudden I'm like, all right, fine. Game on. Challenge accepted. Now I got to go work out too. And, and, and it's not just, you know, I know it's funny and it's not because we're, we're competing, right? No. It's because I know, I know how it feels, how good it feels after a workout. Yeah. And when you post that, I know where you were at that point. Like, oh my God, I want to get there too. Yeah. I mean, I want to, I want to have that feeling now. It's motivating. <laughs> it inspires me and it motivates me. So then I'm like, okay, game on. I need to work out. <laughs> yeah. And I know I used to joke about being able to post about my workout is the only motivation I have. For working out. (laughs) Hey, that's a good thing. Yeah, but in a way, that's true. If it works for me, I'll keep doing it. (laughs) 
<laughs> right. And I go back again to putting myself in the calendar. Yes. Even my workouts are in the calendar. And my working out, my meditation is just a part of my day as much as brushing my teeth, taking a shower. Yeah. And eating my meals. Um, when I had my, my surgeries and I had to take a break, it was hard for me to get back to that. It wasn't a part of my days, my days for a while mm -hmm. after I had to recover that when I had to start again, it was hard. So I know how it is with people who are starting out. It, it, it sounds easy when I say I put it in the calendar, you got to put it in the calendar and don't, and don't miss it. It is hard, I know, but I guess I'm just testament that it gets easier. Yes. And, you know, you don't want to miss a shower. I mean, there are days when, okay, fine, you can't take it. But it's that's how I feel with my workout, the same with the shower. So it just comes naturally now. Yeah. Or having a bath. <laughs> or having a bath. <laughs> or having coffee. Yeah. Having wine, having a glass of wine, having a drink a day was part of that calendar too. My weekly routine or, or actually my daily routine. And I'm happy where I am now where that's not part of the routine and meditation has taken over. Oh, good. So do you actually put meditation in your calendar? It's not in my calendar, but I just do it every day. Okay. Because I really need to start doing that. I was doing meditation religiously at quarter past nine every day because that was the usual schedule that we had back then in the hospital but I find that I neglect that and stop doing it after a while so I really need to get back to putting that in my schedule and doing meditation for me what helps is when I see myself accomplishing something but you can probably notice I like calendars <laughs> Yes, to-do list. <laughs> yes, yeah. but, um, when you're starting out, you know, you can just print out from your outlook, maybe just the calendar for the month. And you, know, you could just make that the um, meditation calendar. And after you do a meditation, you cross off that day. For me, I, I did that for, with my training when I, when I started running or when, I, when I'm on training. And then I cross off days of, okay finish training for the day. And I feel really good having that visual in front of me and seeing, oh my God, I accomplished it today. I did it. I finished today. Tomorrow's another day. Yeah. It gets easier and easier each day that it becomes just a part of you that you don't need to calendar it. It's almost like second nature. Like you're just going to go to the bathroom to have your bath or your shower and put that toothpaste on the toothbrush and just start brushing your teeth. Yeah. Yes. And ever since I stopped going to my personal trainer, my psychiatrist and my psychologist also suggested that I should put it in my calendar that after breakfast, for example, I should be going for a 45-minute walk. So I need to start putting together a calendar where there's breakfast, meditation, and then walk. Yes, I, I'm totally for that because that's how I do things. It might be to a fault, yes. <laughs> but... <laughs> But it really works. And I love, I love crossing off things. I know. You love you know, ticking boxes. <laughs> yeah, I love ticking boxes. I like saying, done, done, done. Yay. Yeah. I feel so proud of myself that I accomplished brushing my teeth. Or... <laughs> yeah. Or even having a shower and changing clothes from your sleepwear to your daywear or whatever it is that you're doing for the day. Yes. It was hard doing that, especially during COVID when we were all working from home. A lot of people just stay in their pajamas. But yeah, that is a big accomplishment for me these days. You're right. And the challenge is during COVID, the room where I have my exercise equipment is the same room where I have my work computer, which is my office. And it's also the same room where I meditate. Oh. So I would change my clothes and that would mark what time it's supposed to be, even though I'm in the same room. Yeah. Before work, I would have my workout clothes and I would work out. Yes. And then take a shower and then change into my work clothes. When I'm wearing my work clothes, it's work time. Yes. And then after work, wash my face off 
or take another shower or a bath and then just wear my pajamas and then that's when I meditate. Yeah. But whatever I'm wearing will let you know. If you were here and you see me, you'll know what time it is. Yes. You know? <laughs> Again, it's like it's like ticking boxes for me. Whatever outfit I'm wearing, it's the indicator. Yeah. And compartmentalization as well, so that you know you're distinguishing your activities and they don't overlap. You don't lose sight of what you need to do to look after yourself. So your work time doesn't bleed into your me time or vice versa. Yeah, I have heard many um, people commented on having a hard time working from home. I never had a hard time, but it's just naturally for me that, okay, I need to change. Again, if you notice, I like boxes. Yes. And my examples would be boxes. <laughs> it's because I think I can put things in boxes and organize them that way. Yes. As long as you don't put your emotions in boxes. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do, right? Don't bottle them up or don't box them up. <laughs> no, I don't bottle them up, but they're in boxes. And I know when to pull out the box and say, okay, this is what we're dealing with right now. Yeah. I, I have to, otherwise things get muddled and that's when I get anxiety. Yeah. And that's the change that I had to deal with when I had my health issues. Because all of a sudden, I felt like it was overtaking my life. So I had to say, okay, well, let me get those boxes. This box is for when I need to go to the doctor. This box is when I can think about only work. Yes. Or this box is when I'm going to call Chris and vent. Yes. <laughs> and then there's a box too when, when we can gossip. Yes. <laughs> yes. But I think I have gotten used to compartmentalization that way, which is really good. That helps. Sometimes I still struggle with, because um, you know that hobbies, you mentioned earlier playing golf. I see my golf as a form of self-care because I enjoy doing it. I love the way that the ball goes when I hit it really well and say, yeah, I did that. I hit that ball really well. I did a perfect swing. It improves my self-confidence and it makes me feel good about myself. But sometimes when I'm playing golf and I have things that are worrying me, I still struggle taking that out of my mind and just focusing in the moment. I really need to remind myself that playing golf or whatever hobby you have is a form of self-care and a way to distract you from whatever is causing you anxiety. So live in the moment and just enjoy what you're doing rather than worrying. Oh, well, yeah, that's hard to do, though. We can only try our best. When I say I put things in boxes, it sounds like I'm really that organized. I'm not. <laughs> that's my disclaimer. I try to, but, you know, we have feelings. Yeah. Right? Congratulations, you're human. <laughs> And, and it's in those occasions also that I feel my psychiatrist's advice of diffusion really helps because when my worries are starting to get into my head while I'm playing golf, I need to be mindful of the strategy my psychiatrist taught me to take all that worry and put them into the ball, swing the club, hit the ball and let it go away with all your worries. And trust me, whenever I do that, I hit the ball perfectly well. And that's the point. Really long and really straight. <laughs> In that same line with meditation, it's almost 10 years that I've been practicing. Yeah. Someone might listen to this and they might have a way that this is how you're supposed to meditate and this is what you're supposed to do. I, I, I'm probably wrong, but this is what works for me. It depends on how I'm feeling. It depends on how my day is. For instance, when I had a hard day and I feel like everything is just going wrong or I feel like the whole world is just bad. Everything is just negative. That's all I'm focused on. I can't see the positive. Mm -hmm. When I breathe in, I just imagine I'm breathing in, I'm breathing in all the negative things. Everything that's black. To me, negative looks black or gray or smoky gray. And that's a visual that I have. And I breathe it all in. And then it converts when I have it in my body. It converts to something good when I breathe it out. And then after that, I'm breathing in goodness. 
And that's really a visual that goes through my mind. Or sometimes I'm just breathing in goodness. Like when I feel so down and I just feel icky and I just need something. Like I feel like I need a blessing of some kind. Then I just imagine that the whole world is giving me all these blessings and positive energy and I'm breathing it all in. And then when I breathe it out, I'm giving him the same energy. So it depends. It changes on my needs, but pretty much it's it's that. Yeah, I like that. I like that. And, and I'm not going to tell you, well, this is how you do it because our days are different. Yeah. There are days when I'm really happy and I'm really positive and I'm telling you, you got to be positive. And there are days when I'm telling you, you know what? The world is screwed. It's never going to get better. And I get when you say breathing in all the positive energies because I have this habit of when I'm really down and I feel like the universe is against me and I have spiritual moments where I pray for good things and blessings and then I stretch out my arms and say, I'm ready. Give me all the good things and the positive things and all the blessings. I'm ready to receive them. And I say that with outstretched arms, ready to receive. That's a part of it, how you sit and how you position yourself. Of course, you're sitting cross-legged on the floor, but depends on your body, what your body needs. Sometimes you can't do that. You just sit on the couch. But how I position my hands is really that. When I feel like receiving blessings, I have my palms up. But there are days when I want to feel grounded, then I have it down because I feel like I need to touch my knees then you're grounding yourself yeah your needs are different but the purpose is at least for me i feel like okay i'm a person i'm important and i realize i'm just a small part of this i'm a part of something bigger but this small part is important for this something bigger to become that big piece yeah but you're just a small part so it's really it's really grounding for me So it looks like same needs, same purpose. We may have different execution or different ways of practicing things, but it serves the same purpose and the same needs, which is really good. Yeah. Like when I'm running, my gait, my speed, it's not the same every run, but you get to where you're going. Yeah. Another form of self-care that I hear about is keeping your mind sharp. (laughs) Sorry. I think my mind is dull. (laughs) I'd like to think that the things I do, like, for example, after I left the hospital, I started doing puzzles just to keep my mind working. And at the same time, it makes me feel productive. I've actually accomplished something. And I especially love the 1,000-piece puzzle because they take longer to complete. So when you complete a small section of it, I feel very productive. And at the same time, I exercise my brain. My brain is working. What about doing this podcast? I think you're doing a great job. That's all you, by the way. I don't know. For the people listening, they have to know. All I do is show up and talk. The heavy work is done by Chris. That's all Chris. (laughs) Should I start putting up end credits that say directed by? (laughs) Directed by, written by, produced Produced by. By By Chris. I mean, that's... that's... Yes, I'm going to admit that this is actually part of what keeps my mind sharp. And, you know, practicing creativity and thinking about how am I going to fix this? Or how am I going to do this? Or how am I going to make this interesting? (laughs) Or how will I make Karen sound smart? (laughs) You already sound smart. It's more like, how do I make Karen sound cohesive? (laughs) But yeah, we joke joke about that. But yes, this podcast not only helps me process my emotions when we're actually recording and talking about how we feel. But yes, it also keeps my mind sharp when I do the uh, post-production activities. So yeah, good point. (laughs) And and the talking, you've already talked to me about your experiences, same with me, but is talking about it, just throwing it out there in the universe, opening up. Yes, that helps me a lot. It feels like I'm releasing my worries. Yes, exactly. The release, that's the word. It's a good release. And I really think 
it's done wonders. I've seen the difference. I've seen the difference with, of course, I'm not with you 24-7 the way hobby is. But at least I have seen the difference in your moods. Yeah. We talk. You get to listen back to what you're saying. Because when you talk to your psychiatrist, you don't get to hear what you tell her. She just reacts to what you say. Like I talk back to you and I tell you things. But you actually hear what you're, you're saying. Yeah. Again. And it's different when you're listening to yourself than when you're just, just saying it. And then you have another layer of processing emotions. You see more things or additional things on top of what you've processed while you're recording it. So you're right. While I'm listening back. Yeah. After it's been published, I listen to myself and I think, oh, yeah. I'm still learning something about how I'm feeling there or how I should be dealing with that. Yes. Or you realize, you know what? I am not that bad after all. I am brave after all. Sometimes when you think you're worthless, like you think, okay, I didn't accomplish anything. But then you listen back to what you shared and you realize, you know, I am pretty strong after all. It, it validates you. Yeah. Or I can't believe I went through all that and I'm still alive. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, I did survive. So you know what? I can, I can do this. I can do this. I've got this. Yeah. It's not going to be easy, but I've got this. Yeah, you're right. That's true. Oh, um, I also think taking care of my friends and my loved ones is a part of self-care. Yes. It's a balance. When I had the family emergency and I know you were worried and you were giving me the space, but you kept reminding me, you have to look after yourself too. Yeah. The couple of messages he sent me was that, you know, I'm worried about you. You have to look after yourself. And it's a good reminder because then I know when looking after someone, taking care of their needs, ma making sure their needs are met. And I know when it's taking a toll on me, when it's getting me, when it's making me stretch out too thin. Or when it's a part of my self-care. Yeah. It feels good to take care of someone. I'm glad you said that because I've read somewhere that there is such a thing as self-care for the soul. And helping someone is actually one of those things. Because I was just about to say earlier that one of the things that make me feel good, especially when I'm feeling really down and flat, is when I pay someone a compliment like a stranger. Yeah, it feels good, right? This morning, I got a phone call that I, I wasn't successful in getting this job that I applied for. I knew that it was a difficult conversation, not just for me, but also for the HR person, the recruitment person that was delivering that news. And because I know from working with her throughout that process that she was really doing a good job, I made sure to tell her in case people don't tell you enough, I'd like to let you know that it's really been great working with you throughout this process. I, and I appreciate you. You've been really awesome. And that felt good for me and also made the conversation less painful for both of us. And that helped me accept the rejection better. Because you acknowledged other people. You don't even think about you. It's, it's not about you. Yeah. And that acknowledging that I know this is painful for you too. Yeah. And I want you to know that this is okay. It is what it is. I can be objective about this. Yeah. And that doesn't take away the fact that you did a good job all throughout this process. And I still appreciate you. Yeah. It feels good, right? Yeah. It helped me handle the rejection better as opposed to feeling like a loser. <laughs> Pardon the use of the word, but you, yeah. you, know, you know what I mean. I, I know. That I acknowledge that these things happen. It is what it is, and it's not within your control. And I've done the best I can, and it just didn't work out that maybe this is not meant for me. And I'm sure that you're feeling awkward delivering this message more than I'm feeling awkward receiving it. But that still doesn't take away the fact that you did a great job and I appreciate you. Looking beyond ourselves. Yes. Looking beyond ourselves is self-care. Yeah. And you get out of there, even though you didn't get what you wanted, but you get out of there just feeling light. Up until the end, you've left everything on the table. Yes. No regrets. And pro professional throughout 
the process and also and again I go back to over identification that you know just detaching myself from that failure I'm not a failure it is just what it is you're not a failure and I get it that I didn't get the job it is what it is but that doesn't mean I'm a failure and that doesn't mean I failed you're not a failure I'm gonna say that again oh thanks <laughs> but I mean I'm laughing not I'm la- I'm not laughing at you but I know I it just interrupted you but I'm, I just wanted you to know you're not a failure thank you thank you for saying that so so yeah so my point is when you do something for other people it could also serve as self-care for your soul and just make sure that you're not losing your boundaries in the process correct you know I love to cook oh yes I love cooking for my friends and family and really it almost becomes self-indulgent because I love to cook I get to do what I want to do that's part of my self-care where I am cooking I'm doing what I want to do it's like an activity that relaxes me that gets my creative juices going it's like an artwork yeah I get that And then at the same time, I feel like I'm giving something to my family and friends to to enjoy. So I'm taking care of them. Yeah, I love that. I love that. That's a good example of self-care for the soul. It's the same thing that you do, where you take care of your family, you make sure your siblings are okay, you're always present, the same, the same thing with your friends. I hope. Yeah. When I talk to my sister and let her vent and cry and be vulnerable and just listen and and just let her be and just be there for her, that's also nourishing for me. And when we gossip. <laughs> and when we gossip. Not the negative. Not the negative kind of gossip that destroys people, but, you know, just giving each other updates about what's up, what's happening. Yeah updates like oh my god you won't believe what happened to me yeah it's uh i think all of that it's just i think anything that makes you happy or not for it doesn't make you forget your day but it makes it makes life palatable yeah and even delivering good news like for example oh did you hear that uh, our friend so and so just did this and accomplished this or have done that or have achieved this that's also soul nourishing for me like being happy for other people yeah i love that yeah i do too i do too it's it's pretty simple isn't it i i mean our self-care it's different for other people yeah we we haven't talked about retail shopping <laughs> retail <Yes. therapies. laughs> oh i try to avoid that no, not no. I don't want to do that because then the guilt comes after when you get home. And then you- yes, same with me. I don't feel I don't feel good spending money, so I don't do that. Yes, and then you see your credit card bill or your balance in your transaction account that that then makes you feel bad, and that I don't. <laughs> it gives you stress. Yes, it gives you stress. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's why I don't think it's a form of self care. You're right. I don't like retail therapy. Um, but you like to work out. I like to work out. Yes. Um, I'm signed up for uh, Pilates classes, though. So that is spending. Yeah. But that's spending that I don't mind. Yeah. And I get massages every month. Yes. Yeah. Once a month or, well, it was every week for a couple of months back just because I'm trying to get something fixed. Yeah. But now I'm once a month because of the same reason that you said first of all it's relaxing it relaxes the body plus that touch there's something about that yeah it's like being exercised yeah someone's touching you and and, and literally saying what's up yep all <laughs> the demons are out yes casting away the bad <laughs> and i'm removing the rigidness in this area yeah i can feel the stress in your shoulders i'm gonna get rid of it yeah i love that Yep, we're casting the devil out. It's like some kind of exorcism for me. So, yeah, that's that's. Uh, I think we have a pretty good list. Yes, and I hope that people find that useful as well. I know that there is no one size fits all, but hopefully those give them a few thought starters. Or if they can give us some ideas too, I take that feedback. Yes, 
feel free to let us know on social media or on email, which are all in our episode notes, our show notes. Feel free to get in touch with us. We'd love to hear from you. Well, I love this episode. It's it's it kind of put me in a good mood. <laughs> which is which is also self-care, which is good. <laughs> this is self-care. Yes. I'm having a conversation here and uh, being light or sometimes even if it's not a light conversation this is really self-care for me yeah me too i agree love ya and i love you too am i okay is intended for mature audiences as it discusses topics that can be emotional and upsetting stories experiences recollections opinions or insights shared by us our own and does not reflect or represent the views and opinions of medical practitioners or other experts in mental health. The podcast or any linked materials should not be construed as medical advice, nor is the information a substitute for professional expertise or treatments. If you're struggling with mental health, we encourage you to seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider. Please do not disregard professional medical advice or delay seeking it because of something you have heard from this podcast. If you or someone you care for is in need of immediate assistance, please find treatment locators and helplines in your country of residence, such as 988 Suicide and Crisis Lifeline in the United States and Lifeline or Beyond Blue in Australia. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can reach us through our socials and follow us. You'll find our handle in the episode description. Or, if there's anything you'd like us to talk more about, you can email us through email at gmail.com. If you have friends or family who you think would be interested in what we share, please tell them about us. They can find our podcast in any directory they get their podcast from. And please go on and rate us. It will let people know about us and find us. Once again, thanks for listening. Cheers. Cheers.